open up that box. Let's get back on to the State of Combat podcast on CBS Sports with your boy, the Brian Campbell. Back with a bang. Back in your ear hole. Back with that syringe runneth over. Ready for injection with another lethal dose of that performance-enhancing audio. BC, the voice that you hear back from a pneumonia battle that seriously straight up had me on the ropes there. Happy to be back. It was a rough holiday season of the flu, of uh, a lot of bedridden time, a lot of time to catch up on some streaming, if you will, in many different ways. But I am happy to be back. I'm fired up. It's the start of a new decade. If you did not catch my uh, my little appetizer earlier this week, you got a bonus box episode in your playlist. Don't miss it. Interviews with Mikey Garcia, Jesse Vargas ahead of their big DAZN showdown coming up in February. But this week, this day right now is the weekly box episode. It's time for the bugs. It's time for another loaded show. That finds out if Rafe Bartholomew cares about what's going on in boxing's first, you know, kind of loaded, not really, weekend of 2020. We'll look ahead on our expectations and hopes for the year to come. Heck, we might even look back at the decade that was. So let me bring this man right in, my favorite person in all of box. Yes, even above Jason Litzow. He's a New York Times bestselling author. He's six foot four. And he is the boxing features writer on TheAthletic.com. It's Rafe Bartholomew. Let me lick you up. Gonna lick you down. Josh Taylor. Oh, more racist. All the racist signs. At top rank. At top rank. You're going to start the decade with racism, Rafe? Come on. I start start every record. Look, I start this decade like America was started. Brian, Plymouth Rock didn't come to us. We landed. No, wait, the, it, it's the other way around. Are you saying <laughs> that that our forefathers stole their land from George Tadanuipa? Uh, I would just say that if George, is it, it? Did you get that right? Did you get? Did you Tadanuipa it right? I, what do you think? I know. <laughs> come on, really. Nida. I don't know anymore. Uh, Alexander Grovesdick. I mean, come on, yeah. bro. You know, you know who you're talking to, right? Delvin now? Rodriguez sent him to. Hell. Yes. Yes, he did. And he did it for America. Did you see that uppercut, Rafe? That uppercut was bananas. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Rafe, happy post-holidays New Year. Rafe, what the New Year gives us for me, right? Confirmed gas station hot dog eater. And you, confirmed addict to the liquid crack that is soda. What do you got in there? A A little coffee? I have some some winter wake up tea. It's an English breakfast oh, wow. tea with cinnamon and ginger and a little splash of milk. Your your Northwestern is showing there. That's very studious. Shut the you. f up. All right, I got two gallons of <laughs> Fago here. <laughs> I'm just waiting to jump into. All right, I'm gonna go full insane clown posse because you, you said that. We know your nickname is Big Red. We know what you think you're not. I am not ginger. But um, do you drink Big Red? Have you ever seen that soda? No. I was somewhere recent uh, in the last week. Where the hell was I? It was certainly Connecticut because I didn't get out of the house much while I had uh, pneumonia. But it was some like, you know, like those bootleg bodega type gas stations. Yeah. You walk in and there's fried chicken. And look, where I come from, if there's fried chicken in your gas station, this isn't a racial thing. It just means that this is a bootleg thing, right? Hot dogs in Connecticut are hot. I mean, sorry. Gas stations in Connecticut are hot dog and Slurpee based, right? 
whether you're getting the Slurpee or you're getting the, uh, what else? What are the variations of that? You know where I'm going with that. The icy, icy the slushy. Um, there's not a big market for fried chicken in gas stations. So when I see that, I'm like, I'm off the grid. I think I was in New, hard hit in New Britain and they had some bootleg products. They had this red soda called Big Red. Look fantastic. My all time bootleg soda, Brian, and this goes back to anybody from the New York area will know this tropical fantasy. You get the 16, 20 ounce bottle, 50 cents only. In high school, we get the strawberry champagne flavor tropical fantasy with two of the quarter packs of either ice honey bun or cinnamon rollers. And you're good all day. You got all, just full up on sugar, sugar high that ish out, baby. Wow, wow! Can you get that in uh, in six packs, twelve packs, twenty four packs? What do you get? what do you get in there? What do you where are you going with that, Teddy? Well, Can't you get hey, what are we talking? Well, you don't get a. That's not how you get a six pack or an eight pack or twenty four pack in your abs, but it is how you fill yourself up on one dollar a day. My my New Year's resolution is to learn my soundboard, Rafe. That's where I want. Thank you. I've got great jokes. I just can't find it in time. What I was going to say, Rafe, is, um, you know, coming off a health scare like I did, hospitalized for a day, uh, the doctors thinking it was something more. Luckily, my heart checked out, Rafe. My heart will go on, right? Near, far, wherever you are. Uh, it makes you want to reconsider a lot. You know, we got to, it's up to us as a people to start making some changes. It's really what I'm going here, right? Change the way you eat, change the way you treat each other. Um, so I want to do that, but I want to, uh, we should put on, you know, clear glasses in 2020. We should remove our biases, maybe lower the thirst on this podcast just a little bit. Are you down for uh, a little, you know, personal change in 2020? I mean, what are you trying to get at here? Maybe acquire, uh, I'm not saying you need therapy, but a, a life coach and, a, and a mo- you know, an emotional fella who can whip you back into Mental shape, not only physically, and if you are in that business, Rafe, or in that search, I've got somebody for you. Be different or die. Please don't die, but be different. Why different? Because if you're different, you're special. Rafe, you are a different cat, but you're also special. So this year, don't die, but be Did Vlad just tell me to die? (laughs) What was that? Did did Klitschko just tell me to die? I wish you would step back from that ledge, my friend. Be different or die. Please don't die. But- yeah. <laughs> hi, hi, my boxing friends. Uh, welcome to Cam's Um So, a new year, a clean year, but most people go out with a bang on that other year, right? And people go out on New Year's. Not me. I had pneumonia. People go out on New Year's and just make it happen. I am thankful entering 2020 that we have non-traditional boxing journalists some would say you and i right we're not regular fans we're the non-traditional boxing journalists who get the answers for the things that we care about one of those people your favorite guy right coogan cassius oh the man yes ifl tv he tracked down the number one partier in the in the sport of box right I you'd have to speak to who Roberto Duran, uh, um, who I, who is man? That's I mean AB gets it in. Wow, <laughs> hopefully just the tip, Rafe. I mean, where are you going with that? Uh, wow, okay, it's, it goes down in the DMs. Yep, yep. Um, 
Callie Sauerland, right? I mean, there ain't no party like a Callie. Oscar's party. a freak, though. You gotta give yeah, him that. Yeah, Oscar, Oscar. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a fist bump for that, Rafe. If you, if you know where I'm. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Hey. Two maybe. words for you, Oscar. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Fish net. Coogan Cash just caught up with Callie to say, bro, what you, what'd you do on, on New Year's Eve? Something we're all thinking, right? I'm thinking eyes wide open. <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking, uh, I'm thinking some gross things. Here's the breakdown, Rafe. Actually, very quiet. I'm not really a New Year's guy, you know. It's, uh, so many parties over the year and then you get the New Year's and it's sort of, uh, you get everyone out in it, you know, you get the amateurs out and, uh, you know, going out's a professional thing. So, is what he's saying that uh, only amateurs party on, on on New Year's, but he parties so often that on New Year's he just hangs it up and just just sits on the couch. I think that is what he's saying. Although a less generous interpretation might be that um, he prefers to just meet up with a professional on New Year's Eve. I mean, this was the kind of Cali party I thought. You know what people would perceive to be like a standard Calasada New Year's party. You know, for each, like Insta versus reality. 50 chicks, 100 bottles of champagne, a big hot tub. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> I spent it with my son. <laughs> that, that's Tuesday nights. Tuesday nights he does that, right? Okay. No, right, well, right. this is this is what they've, I mean, in New York, this is what they say all the time. The best, the, the real nightlife crowd, the people the, on the cutting edge, they're going out Tuesday, Wednesday night. They're going to after hours spots. They They're living a life that the average... Bridge and Tunnel Club Schlub has no clue and will never be invited to because they're not cool enough. Callie is in that world because that that he he is that world. I mean, Deontay Wilder calls him up to get yes. the eyes wide yes. shut orgy masks. You know, it's Tuesday nights where Callie's bumping around with the mask on and bumping into other swag champs. And you realize, oh, that's Danny. Yeah, that is Danny. That is Danny Garcia. Like that's who you're gonna. That's who he's Danny gonna... has touched a lot of M's. I mean, he he can get in Callie's league now. That's... Not Danny Garcia, but Dan Daniel Jacobs. Daniel Daniel Jacobs, you're the boy. You put it on him. Yes. Um, Rafe, can I get your take on a few things? Right. 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 That's what I'm here to do. Uh, the fallout, the controversy over this 2019 state of combat listener of the year voting in which quality bloke, no longer quality bloke, by the way, banned from Twitter. Right. Banned from the radio. We'll call him Uncle Luke, basically. OK, Luke Luther Campbell here uh, wins. And then everybody coming out of the woodwork. Somebody got the scoring wrong, according to all these professionals, Rafe. Your thoughts? I'm not saying it was a robbery. It was an effective robbery, Brian. Um, <laughs> no, I, I don't. I, I was surprised. I think, I think it's just Alex Godinez has been the man for so long. He's, he, it's hard to, you can't. It's, it's almost a honorary position. It really doesn't necessarily reflect reality. He is the listener of the year from now until the year 80,000 because that's who he is. Well, as, that's- we, as we spin that in the direction of, of quickly looking back on the decade that was, are you here to declare Alex Godinez as the Autines State of Combat listener of the decade? Well, how many, uh, you know, that'd be interesting. Do we get to go back in time? Do we get to uh, include the, the ropes? Do we get to include, uh, 
the ropes snapchat do we, do when, we, is it is this an entire decade uh, a half decade yes yeah, junior middleweight and willie nelson was a big fan of our snapchat show days yeah uh did you catch the victor ortiz cameo that we gifted young godinez with to soften the blow and maybe try to fire him up to compete in 2020 with the likes of that quality bloke and ulrich anderson here's a refresher if you didn't Alex Godinez, what's going on, brother? Hey, things happen. You're finishing second in the State of Combat Boxing Podcast. Fan of the year voting. It's all right. It's okay. Um, I already know you're the best. How you? Uh, BC said you're not. You ain't. You won't. And you're not. Shout out to the 80K crew and say, hey, Dwyer has a stick from the lip to the cup. Abrazo. Big hug, guys. Take care of yourselves. God bless. Rafe, I know he doesn't know what that means. I, I, I nobody knows it. But he looked most confused while reading the Sean Porter. You ain't. You not. You is. You not. You ain't. That's when <laughs> Vo looked had the look come over his face on the camera, like, huh? What, the, what is this? But that was pure class, Brian. Pure class. And let me say, Alex, you don't. You're a young guy. You don't deserve to be getting put in second place like this. And you know what? I also want to stick up for uh, you. You you limit the listener of the year, the listener of the decade conversations to the likes of Alex Godinez, to the likes of quality bloke. Now, what's his prime sample bloke? B sample? I can't even remember. He's got Roy Jones on his on his avi now. Quality bloke. He's still quality bloke in my heart. Quality bloke Ulrich Anderson who slides in with the amazing emails, but we got other, we got, we got a lot of hardcore heads yeah, out here. Matt this is C at MGC Speaks. That guy's yeah, Matt Conrad. That guy is legit. Yeah, Homer, Homer's in our hearts, you know, forever. Uh, no, no, Homer's disqualified because he agrees with you about the Miguel Cotto <laughs> equilibrium shot conspiracy theory that no one in their right mind. The knee was not responding. <laughs> <He> <laughs> Brian, Brian, he, Sergio Martinez, Maravilla, my champion, was moving around the ring that day like referee Kenny Chevalier, oh, wow. the guy with bad hip. Wow, wow. All right, Rafe. Uh, shout out to uh, Moose at Sandy Moose 0408, a rising star in the fandom as well there, Rafe. Great decade, though, for Godinez. Uh, I wanted to... You know, I didn't get to hear how your Christmas in Louisville was, right? If you got two seconds for that? Yeah, it was it was lovely. I'd never been there before. Might be the closest I've ever been to what would be considered the South, uh, which was interesting. Got some great food, visited Muhammad Ali's uh, gravestone and the museum of his there. Walked around, got to, got to just sort of get a feel for the city. It, it was relaxing. It was a warm week. So it wasn't that cold out there. I, I enjoyed it. I got to take my dog down with me. Uh, it, it was cool. Did you wake up the morning of January 2nd and buy a gym membership in Detroit, Rafe? I, I, I have been a member of a gym, Brian, and uh, I did go shortly after. I, You know what? I will admit, and it's not in any very exciting way. But I was bad, something bad hung over on January 1st. And it wasn't, we didn't even go out, but it was, my girlfriend and I went over to her sister's house and, or, you know, her sister's a doctor, her, her brother-in-law is a doctor and they were letting loose. And so 
every time medical, I moved, medical grass they were filling my cup with something. And by like 9.30, I was like, I need to lay down. They woke me up for the ball to drop, and I was back in bed after that. And uh, came home around midnight or a little after, yacked a couple times, yeah. and it was just ugly from there. Yikes, yikes, yikes. I think you should shut shut up. You're embarrassing yourself right now. Are, are you still drunk right now? Are you still drunk? Oh, what, what, what's no. going on? No. Thank you, GSP. Okay, uh, wrong sport there. Uh, Rafe, were you drinking the scissor? Uh, no, no, these are classy doctor folks. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't with uh, some some nice champagne yeah, and um, beer, they're mixing too much. They're giving me beers and champagnes. It was all over the place. Yeah, folks. I mean, come on. That's <laughs> that's that's not how men get down. Thank you. All right, hey, we're gonna talk a lot about decades, the one before, the one to come. We are going to break down the big news of Josh Taylor and much more. And we're gonna do that after a word from our friends and sponsors. Dig it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we're back. BC Rafe Bugs ready to open the box. And before I do one final message from the third member of this show, the great Richard Dwyer, to all you listeners out there for what was the holiday season. It is the day before Christmas and all through the house. Not a creature was stirring except fight fans like us. Let me wish everyone a very happy holiday season. Thanks, Rich. Let me also give you some ammunition, because I know many of you are going to find yourself at some holiday dinner, sitting next to Uncle Jerome or Auntie Keisha or somebody else, fill in the blank, right? And they're going to be talking to you about who was the best fighter of the decade. Rafe, when you were at your sister-in-law's house with the rich doctors and their... My sister-in-law, Keisha. Yeah, you know, Uncle Jerome's there, and the swanky doctors are like, Rafe, who was your fighter of the year? What did that discussion look like? Oh, you you know how it went, right? You already know I'm the best. Ah! Like, they were... They tried to come at me, and I said, look, I am a lion. Lions only. My... (laughs) Boxer of the year is Jermel Charlo. No, I, you know, to be honest, it didn't come up. Can you believe that? In yeah. uh, in mixed company, the uh, boxing the was not a main topic of conversation. Um, Floyd is the fighter of the decade, just in case anybody was wondering, but I don't really care about that debate. Here's what I care about, Riff. I like the idea of putting a poster on something, on years, on decades, so that when you hear that, you think of that. So what I mean by that, Rafe? 1950s boxing, Rocky Marciano, right? 1960s boxing, Muhammad Ali, right? 70s, Ali, Frazier, and Foreman. The damn heavyweights, Rafe, right? 80s, Sugar Ray Leonard, Mike Tyson, side by side. 90s, Roy Jones in the front, that group of heavyweights next to him, right? Right? Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. When you look at the 2010s, 10 years of box behind us, 
the most potent years of boxing in your fandom, in your occupational history. Who or whom is on that poster? It has to be a one per one man poster. It has to be a. Is it Floyd? Is it Floyd and Big Red? Is it Floyd and Manny? What has been the defining image of boxing over the last 10 years? Well, all right. Let me cheat first, Brian, and say I want my poster to be the boxing version of the Tribe Called Quest Midnight Marauders album cover. So we got everybody in there. Of course, we have the biggest players in that bunch, starting with Floyd, then Manny, then Cotto, then Canelo, then all the all of the, the the major stars of the decade. But that means we also have room for all the bit players, all the hieroglyphics guys who you don't you probably don't even know. You can't even name the members of hieroglyphics. You think that Dell the Funky Homo Sapien was a one hit wonder? No, I'm into like uh, uh, Jungle Brothers, uh, Black Sheep. You know what I'm saying? You know, like- strictly strictly. Um, core members of the native tongues. Yes. Well, I'm saying there's more room than that. It's a big universe. There's room for the cruiser weights. There's room for Lebedev. He got to be on my poster. I need me a little bit of Guillermo Jones. I need a whole other <laughs> head size. I, don't think I need Dennis that. Lebedev to get two heads for that hematoma he got fighting Guillermo Jones on my poster. I need Maravilla. I need yeah. Pavlik. I need Hopkins. All right, you went too far down the road. The real debate for me is, do you either have Floyd and Manny on that poster? Because really, especially the first half, they were the decade. But Anybody who knew anything about boxing only knew Floyd and Manny, right? The five-year build to their fight. I guess the real question is, did Canelo do enough in the second half not to win fighter of the decade, but just in terms of, like, whose decade was it in the public consciousness? Did Canelo do enough to join that conversation? I would say yes only, not because he actually deserves it, because he does not deserve it next to Floyd and Manny and what they meant for the entire decade. But because of recency bias, Canelo looms so large in our head. He is the fighter who took over the the the, the sport, basically. And hey, let's get throw some throw a little bit of credit to Anthony Josh out there, who is really an e- equal in terms of star power everywhere in the world, greater in terms of star power everywhere in the world. Except for the United, except for North America, uh, than Canelo is. I think I consider them sort of basically 1A, 1B. I don't know who's who. I don't really think either guy should be above. But anyway, Canelo here in the States has been, he's been around longer, has been good longer, is better than AJ. So I give him the nod for all those reasons. Um, and he took over. He is that face of the sport. I don't think that he's actually done enough to be considered or carried the sport in the same way that Manny and Floyd did to be really on the marquee with them. But because of recency bias, because he is the biggest thing going right now, he he, he fits that way in our heads. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's uh, Floyd and Manny in the end. I mean, they were boxing this decade above all above all for better or worse. I didn't uh, you know, the last five years, I, I really wish both of them would go away. Yet they're still here. They were boxing in this decade. Good God, even after Floyd was done, he was still setting near pay-per-view records with that skinhead white guy from the skinhead white guy sports. So, yeah, well, it, it was... It was Brian, you know who, who really should be there, though? It should just be a picture of Mr. Cancer because... You can't call him. Mr. Cancer, Al Heyman, has really been the one who controlled boxing in the 2010s, changed the sport 
for well, I'm glad that you said some that. would say I mean he changed it for fighters for the better, but Mr. Cancer, he doesn't want him to fight. Al Heyman a goat. I'm glad you said that because when you look at this past decade from the idea of storylines, you know, biggest storyline I think is is Floyd and Manny, the welterweights took over the you know, record setting pay per views. Floyd became the richest athlete in the world every single year. That's to me is is sort of the story of the decade. Sub story though, is it one man, Al Heyman? Not only taking control of the sport from the inside out, but really being responsible for doing the one thing we always would cry about to say, man, this sport could be so back to where it was if only these fights were on regular TV again. That is definitely an important part of Heyman's legacy, and it's still playing out. We don't know exactly how, uh, you know, if boxing will stick around, but just getting it there, getting this Fox deal is huge, right? Because it it's just not it's not a time buy. It is Fox paying money to put boxing on network television, which yeah, we after the the decades of HBO and Showtime, the premium model, we didn't think might ever happen again. And and and, it, and he deserves credit for that. There all there are all the the bad sides to the Heyman experience, which is that he is and and it's they're very conflicting, right? Because well, yeah. fans want to see the fights sometimes. Well, looking out for the fighters, we don't. The fans don't get what they want. It's a it's a difficult balance to strike. You're right because he's been so pro fighter and pro his own business strategies. From a fan standpoint, you've got a hit or miss from Al. You look back at the beginning of the decade, he sort of began the watering down of HBO by it becoming the Heyman Boxing Network, right? And he, and suddenly you got Andre Berto making millions against nobodies. But then Rafe. When he orchestrated that that overnight departure, bringing Floyd and all the Golden Boy guys to Showtime, 2013 is still my favorite year of the decade. I mean, that was like hot fire suddenly because HBO and Showtime are competing against each other on basically an even playing field, and HBO still had enough firepower to do that, and it was like every weekend we're getting great stuff. Not all of it was on pay-per-view. Let's not forget, Showtime as a bonus that year gave us Broner and Maidana on regular Showtime. Like, there's no I'm chance. I'm pro-boner. I'm, I'm pro-boner. I mean, come on. There's no chance that would ever be anything but a pay-per-view bout these days. I'm pro-boner. Broner in that fight. Thank you. But then Uncle Al in 2014 ruins Showtime. Then 2015, well, we got PBC. It was fun for a while, right? We got Maypack, but then it got lame again. Oh, but now he's back in Fox's fun. It's been a, a, a roller coaster. And now, by the way, he's paying for my kid's... Uh, travel soccer this past year through my work on pbc face to face have which, you have you filed the uh, the paperwork brian to rename both of them al and albert my children yes yes with the tattoo on the inside of my form very lsc style yes so al has giveth and taketh but Ray, what? his real legacy there is the treatment of the fighters his ability to help Floyd become legitimately the biggest star in all of sports at certain points or the richest at least and bringing the sport back to the forefront on television. But you had to crack a few eggs to make that omelet, Rafe, okay? You had to break a few hearts to make to get there. Well, you know what Eddie Hearn says about ethics in boxing. They don't always go together. Uh, yeah, he does. He does. I'm somewhere on my soundboard, he says that, Rafe. Wow, okay. Boxing and ethics don't really always mix. And... Yeah, that's a great show. Okay. Uh, Rafe, you got anything else? Uh subhead this decade i guess the, the the renaissance return of the heavyweights right which by the way i'm gonna give 
Tyson Fury credit for starting that in 2015 when he upset Klitschko. That was really the it's beginning. True. It did. I mean, it took two more years for us to get Klitschko AJ, which really was the big fight that opened up the floodgates to fun heavyweights. But the second half of this decade, the glamour division was back, bro. Yeah, and if it wasn't for Fury, you know, getting breaking up the belts essentially, and it would have been nice if he could have stuck around to to try and defend a couple of them, but obviously he went through his personal stuff and got popped eating too much boar testicle meat or, or perhaps taking something that it enhanced his levels of testosterone, whatever happened there. Did that um, exist? We both know it did exist. I don't know if that existed. That's uh, Did the New York Times print it? If they didn't, Rafe, I'm not sure if it existed. That well, look, the 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 British Board of Boxing Control had hearings over uh, elevated levels of testosterone, and and that that were found in in Tyson and Huey Fury together. And they their explanation for it, like uh, the famous tainted meat, was that they had eaten, uh, they had caught wild boars that had been uncastrated uh, and ate the meat, and and all that testosterone just. <laughs> You know, he might be eating some of the Canelo meat, so I'm gonna go with Ryan Garcia. Thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, look, Fury is the guy who who broke up the belts, and then AJ. But how? Wait a minute. You know what? Why am I even going along with this ridiculous line of thought? This is AJ's heavyweight era because he's the biggest star. I don't think he's the best of them. I think that Fury is the best of them. I think that they there is a potential for them all to beat each other. I, I'm not one of these guys who's like. AJ lost, so he's definitely worse than all these guys. All right, he's fought more difficult opponents than both of them combined. Everybody's um, got to eat, baby. Did you see that full screen <laughs> graphic that Eddie Hearn tweeted out yesterday that had all of the content, the heavyweight contenders, and it showed uh, faces of everyone they beat, who's a quality win, everyone they lost to or drew with, and then the date they turned or the date they had their how many fights they had their first title shot in. I'll, I'll say this. We downgrade AJ, obviously, because of the losses to the fat man. Sorry, Andy Ruiz Jr. Sorry. That's, I mean, that's what's going to The fat fellas can fight, Brian. It's, it's not, a, running, not a bad thing. It's going to be a thing, right? This isn't anything close to Andy Ruiz being a potted plant in the well, ring. Well, kind of. Uh, you're going to downgrade him because he hasn't fought Wilder or Fury yet. Yet, when you look at that board, he has like five or six quality heavyweight wins, and nobody else has more than one. Except for Wilder, who has two against Luis Ortiz. That is correct. If if Wilder and Fury fought that many decent, you know, strong heavyweight opponents, would they necessarily all be undefeated in the, all of those fights? You know, obviously, AJ didn't make it undefeated, right? He lost to Andy Ruiz. Uh, he avenged that loss. That's not that bad. I'm glad you shouted them out because... I mean, he beat. You ready for this? He's the money man. He's the mo- he's the well, man. He is only, the one generating the worldwide interest. But the part of why he's generating that is that he's like quadrupled their resumes. Like it, when you see it in print, you remind yourself, "Oh yeah, he knocked out Dillian White." Okay, won the title from Sir Charles Martin. Nobody cares. But oh, he beat Joe Parker. Oh, he beat Klitschko by knockout. Oh, he you know. Oh, he beat uh, Pavetkin by knockout. Oh, he beat Ruiz. And now suddenly you're like. Now, I know Luis Ortiz is the third best heavyweight in the game, although people are wildly, wildly uh, coming at me over that take. But he also doesn't have a win above Brian Jennings. That's true. It is true. And Fury really only has the Klitschko win to go along with 
the the wilder draw. Although, look, he beat Chisora twice back when that used to matter. Let's not forget about it still that. Still matters. Right? Del Boy, Del Boy's back on something. He's he's fighting pretty well these years. And uh, you know, Wilder still is only be yeah. So uh, so shout out to AJ. You're right. Shout out to AJ. Thank you. Shout out to Omaha United Kingdom. Okay, and you do know in your heart though who Ortiz really is. And I don't know Luis Ortiz personally, but brother, I thank you for that. Shout out right here. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Um, Rafe, before we put to bed this decade talk, my moment of the decade is also my fight of the decade. And I want to shout this fight out one more time. The poster is right here over my shoulder. You were there, Rafe. I wasn't there. I still lament that I wasn't there. I still verbally accost people like Karen Mulvaney who were there just to try to get the leftover secondhand feels from it, Rafe. No, not Martina Chavez round 12, although I really wish I was there too. Dan Raphael once described it as a 747 taking off as Martinez was knocked down and the crowd went from zero to ballistic, brother. I'm talking about Marquez Pacquiao 4. It's the best fight of the year, the best fight boxing has produced since Corrales Castillo won. It's the knockout of the decade. I'm sorry, fight of the decade, obviously. Um, and it's probably the moment. It's probably the the one bo- the one jaw dropping biggest boxing moment that meant the most in the entire decade. Because let's not forget, we kind of thought it meant we weren't getting Maypack in that moment. We, for 57 seconds, didn't even know if Manny was alive based on the reactions of Jinky and Grandpa. And let's not forget a couple of things about that fight, Rafe. Not just the fact that the first five rounds was like an old guy slugfest paradise in which they were both down. But it was two guys in the top three pound for pound at the time and the decisive fight in some ways of their insane rivalry in which Marquez gets screwed at every turn in his eyes. That's why the golden sombrero is sitting over the Janson and the, uh, and the cojones, as we like to say on the show. We, we got, como we say, huevos. Huevos too. If you go that way. That's what I'm talking about. That is what I'm talking about. Teofimo, uh, Rafe, to have a fight between two Hall of Famers that are the rivals and they are the rivalry of our, of our era, of our decade, and they put on the fight of the decade, and it decided the, the rivalry between them, and it was a blood and guts classic. Thank you, boxing, over the last 10 years for giving me that moment. Yeah. I mean, really? I don't really even, I was there, Brian, but I don't think I need to say a whole lot more. It was all that. It was everything you said it was. The, the, I can't, I, I think of the, even, I don't know. I guess, look, when it comes down to it, the knockout is really the moment of that fight. Of course it is. But that third round overhand right that Marquez knocked Manny down with, that was, the moment when you realize, oh, whoa, 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 this is different, you know, and whatever we have, we all have our um, <clears throat> memo uh, suspicions. What was different? But who cares, man? Sometimes you just got to let go and enjoy just this amazing moment, this amazing fight, and just seeing Manny go down like that—something he hadn't done since he was like a 
like fighting in flyweight or superfly against guys you rarely heard of against some Thailand guy. Uh, the, 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 that had not happened. And all of a sudden, probably like 20 years later in his career, he's down hard, a, a giant shot. And it, it was just, you, it was, it, it took your breath away, Brian. And then from there, there were three more rounds where the pace, of course, that woke up. That He's doing many up, things. That woke up pounding the Clitoreus gloves, Manny. Uh, he, won, he, he smacks that Clitoreus. And wow, wow, Oscar. What, yeah, relax yeah, that's here. my glove. Wow. Yeah. And the rest of that fight, I mean, the first two or three rounds were great too. But from there, it's just the, the drama. Of course, he drops Marquez in the next round. That's not Marquez's nose is like spewing blood everywhere. Ah. Uh, uh, that's the yeah, many of old who we hadn't seen in three years, right? Like that guy was back going for it. Oh, man. Or maybe we'd seen him sooner. But uh, can you to close on this? Can you just tell me about those 57 seconds? So my vantage point was I was doing a live blog for ESPN.com. Manny goes down. My jaw drops literally more than any other moment in boxing for a minute. We Like I'm saying, we legitimately don't know if he's alive. I didn't type anything in the live blog for that entire 57 seconds. Like holding my breath, standing, shaking, half wanting to celebrate that that was like, you know, that was, again, it was a Gotti Ward Corrales Castillo type of setting. And then half being con- legitimately concerned and then being like, oh, crap, I'm responsible for like telling the people that are watching on their phone what just happened. What 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 were you, was your emotional roller coaster like, Rick? Um, it was, I, you know, it was, it was first, my first thought, and I don't know if this is good or bad, uh, but my first thought was about <laughs> the, the bell and uh, did that land before or after the bell? Cause it was, it was what a moment before the bell, but in, in the arena at the moment, I had no clue. I was like, oh my God, what if that came after the bell? What if, what if somehow this gets, turns into a no contest or a, or a DQ, um, and that was my first thought. Of course, then he stays down for so long and the way though he fell so fast. And it was, it was, I remember, you know, I wrote about this fight with my boy, Jay Caspian Kang. We used to do these fun little tag team stories for Grantland. And, uh, I remember Jay writing, it was like he fell through a trap door. You know, he was just gone from the picture, especially because when you're sitting down at, uh, you know, some five rows back, 10 rows back on press row, you can't always see – you don't have a great view of like where the fighter's feet are and that's where many ended up. And then then just the silence in the arena, everyone standing up and looking around like, what happened? Did that happen? Is it – like and, – and you knew what happened but still you, just, you don't know what to say other than what was that? Holy yeah. crap. And then – the jumbotron. You st- I remember watching those replays, and that was the that was actually the scariest thing to me. Watching this slow mo replay of Manny runs into the right hand, falls face first, basically into the ropes, uh, right under the ropes near the corner, and then you see like first his upper body like lands, and then his leg, you know, sort of his his toe came down last and it was like this slow-mo movie style cinematic replay of his legs slowly like you know his his legs slowly extending from the knee and the the toe coming all the way down and bouncing on the canvas wow. once and then settling and you see this little ripple 
through his through through those magnificent cantalopian calves. He's not and getting up, Jim. Okay, <laughs> he, he's not getting up, not Jim. Yeah, um, and then they started showing Jinky and Bob. You know, Jinky going crazy in the audience, and Bob trying to comfort her. Um, it was it was scary, of course, thrilling, shocking. It was, and and one thing, and I don't know if we actually want to segue at all from here, but it's good you bring it up because. It reminds us that sometimes these great rivalries that we, especially the hardcore fans and media, that we decide, you know what, I'm we're done with this. We've seen this. It, it's not going to get any better. That was the narrative of Pacquiao Marquez yes. for going into that fight. It was Manny has gotten too big, too strong at this point in his career. Customer Marquez fatigue was that was the word that were the two words that were going around, right? Customer that? fatigue. Yeah. For, we for, want Maypack. But Bob's going to keep everything in the top rank covered, and we're going to see Manny again against this guy. As if there's something bad with two guys who always make great fights against each other. Well, you you know the score that people got wrong? Mm. Not necessarily the judges' scores of Pacquiao Marquez 3, although to some people that was a robbery. I scored the draw, I guess, like I tend to do in a lot of these big fights. What the hell's wrong with me? I thought... Manny rallied in that second half to pull even. A lot of people thought Marquez got screwed. But what people missed on that, not everybody, but a lot of people were like, well, that's certainly the worst fight of the four by far. No, that fight was great. The third fight was really exciting. Pacquiao came out trying to be a counterpuncher. It didn't work. Goes back to being the old Pacquiao midway through. We know he only almost lost his marriage beforehand when he delayed the start of that fight. A lot of craziness. Or that was, it was the Bradley fight he delayed. He almost lost. Jinky told him before the third Marquez fight. Like, I remember. Get it together, bro. And okay, get it together. So what I'm saying is to have a fourth one and then it exceeds expectations like you're saying, but then in the decade of big pay-per-view that didn't pan out, right? Big Mayweather fights rarely panned out from the entertainment and your expectations, right? Canelo a dud, Pacquiao kind of a dud, first Maidana fight, great, but you know what I'm saying? This was a pay-per-view main event that exceeded, exceeded expectations, Ray. That's why it was so special. That was for the hardcores. You can have your May pack. This is for me, bro. And what I was going to say there is that even though there was this sense that, oh, they've done it three times. Marquez is never going to catch up. He's never going to get over the hump. And we don't. why do we need to see this again? The whole, yeah, the whole fatigue over the rivalry. I think there's that I see that happening again right now and I not look obviously it sounds stupid to say that this we're going to have a Pac Marquez 4 type fight out of this but I see a little bit of the same attitude creeping in about the possibility of Canelo Triple G3 maybe later this year you know DeZone still wants it and is there a very good chance that Canelo really just has gotten too good and he's still and he's right in his prime and Triple G looks worse every oh, fight I know what you're and he doing. will get sent to hell? Yeah, there's I a chance that could happen. Doing, but, that, but you know, you saw this week and I saw it. Yes. And it is happening. Triple G is hooking up with Victor Conte, who once worked with a man named Memo Heredia. And he's looking to find that fountain of youth. That Jean Pascal has discovered late in his 30s. The real Mexican style is really what you're going here. He's saying, if I can't beat him, join him. Is that where you're going with this, Rafe? Is that what he's going with this? Where are we going with this? Is that what you're saying? That not only he's so sick of cheating in this sport. And then the phrase, tainted meat at the lexicon. That he's like, I'm going to join him. And you're predicting 
kind of the possibility of a Marquez like one punch KO. No, I'm not necessarily. I, that is not what I you're mean right, to. That, that rivalry had the same theme. Exactly. As Marcus Pacquiao, this is brilliant storytelling. Exactly. And what I'm saying is that they've made two great fights. And yes, one guy is way on the downslope and the other guy seems to only get better and their ages reflect that. But there, there is a certain thing where some guys are just beautiful guys and you want those guys. And they, you know what? I want guys. They just. They make great fights together, and they may they, they might not, but I would at least give them 50-50 odds of making one last great one. It might not look as the same as the first one, first two did, right? And the first two didn't look like each other either. But you know what? Triple G still can take so much punishment that he probably can stand there with Canelo and get the crap beaten out of him and give himself a chance to win a fight, even if he goes out on his shield trying. And it does appear that he is looking for the fountain of youth to help him out a little bit in wow. case it does happen. Big gift to people. Wow, that would be that would be theater rape. That would be insanity. Wow. There's, the parallels are so similar. Wow. And he has that same anger that Mark has had for Pacquiao, right? Like, like you're the, 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 the wonder boy, the glamour boy who has stolen my legacy from me, right? Without ever beating me. Wow. Wow. It is hot. Yes. Wow. It is good. Yes. Yes. I'm feeling, you're feeling it. I'm feeling it, Rafe. Yes. Wow. Okay. Wow. Okay. Hey, forget that decade. That decade's over. I'm excited about the new one. Rafe, I wanted to get your takes on a couple uh, bits of news in real boxing and, and to start 2020. You prepared? Are you ready? Uh, I was born ready. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Uh, this morning, as we record Thursday, Josh Taylor signs a multi-year agreement with Top Rank that will bring his fights exclusively to ESPN. He signs with MTK Global Management, whatever. But Rafe, you want to talk about what this means for the 140-pound division. For the plus and ESPN and the corner man and, and everything grandpa's doing over there. But sneaky, sneaky, sneaky grandpa, what it might mean long term for Bud Crawford, Rafe. Yeah, this doesn't, this no, is but great the story news. here is not 140. It is not Taylor Ramirez. That's great. All right. I love that. I, I hope it happens, but this is really about the future. For Terrence Crawford, opponents, elite opponents for him to fight down the line. And it makes total sense for them to now that top rank has the fighters, you know, uh, under their promotion, Jose Ramirez and Josh Taylor to create an, another undisputed junior welterweight titleist like Terrence Crawford was a couple three years ago. That means they're going to – whoever wins that fight – and, of course, we have to mention Jose Ramirez does have to beat Victor Postol, who I still think is pretty damn tough. Dude, you're going okay? to die on that theory. You love that. You love that. He is – he – look, I may hate – I may be the guy who said Yonut Jojo Dan was going to beat Kel Brook. Yeah, party at the igloo. That but I was, am yes. – I know the Victor Iceman Postol game. I, I, I had this – That's right. And I'm calling that Postol is not going to be a soft touch in February. All right. Take, um, me, take me into Bob's brain here for a second. Tell me if I'm right thinking this. Because Grandpa's still got it at 80, what, 8? 88? I've still got time it. Time to bro. set it straight. Okay. 
he knows he knows the truth, right? He knows the truth. I know my true. I'm true guy. (laughs) Jose Ramirez is, uh, you know, credit to his community. He's a unified 140 champion, but he knows he ain't the best 140. He got a guy who might be in Josh Taylor. So that's a perfect sacrifice. I'll sacrifice my Jose Ramirez to get Josh Taylor the four belt unification on my network that hopefully along with his skin complexion, which is a real thing, can make him a a sort of of out-of-nowhere star. And then that can, marketing-wise, bump him up, so then I sacrifice him to bump, to bud. I mean, it's, 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 that's, that's, that's it. I don't even, look, would I favor Terrence Crawford against any fighter in the sport of boxing that he could realistically get into a ring with? Yeah, I think I would. But I would not call Josh Taylor a sacrifice true uh, true uh, true uh, that's uh, a real fight i mean i look i consider i consider a fight with the winner say say they do the 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 under the unification say they get uh the say the winner of ramirez and taylor if that happens that that fight i would say crawford pro gray if that were to happen any of those three 140s i weight category 140 any of those three top guys i consider those equal in value, equal in significance, even if they're new to welterweight, even if Keith Thurman can say they're not true welterweights, I consider those fights versus Ter- for Terrence Crawford as meaningful and significant as Sean Porter, Danny Garcia, and Keith Thurman. I don't. I, they're all. Those are basically equal to me. I know the other guys have been not at the weight appeal, longer, but these in, other guys are more talented. Not in marketability or sex appeal, but I get what you're saying. So, Bob. All right, we're going to transition to a second talking Bud and Spence, the Twitter war, all that stuff. And a fight, obviously, when you're looking forward to 2020, what needs to happen in boxing? Obviously, you know, one of the first sentences anyone will utter would be Spence against uh, Crawford. But if you're Bob and you're trying to reload so that Bud doesn't get angry so that I don't have to call Mr. Cancer. And by the way, again, one of our hopes and dreams for 2020 might actually be the fact that if Wilder Fury 2 the joint pay-per-view in bringing not only ESPN and Fox together, but Bob and, and, and Al together, if that's a monster success, maybe we get the beginning of those fights anyway. But let's say we don't. And let's say in Bob's heart of heart as a gangster, he knows he doesn't want to work with Al on the regular, right? He wants to do it when he has to, when he needs to. Maybe he sits in a room. He puts Jose Ramirez in that room. Now we can put Josh Taylor in that room. He calls up Lube DeBella and says, hey, Pro Gray's top-ranked friendly. Bring him back in. You're sitting in this room, too. He grabs his Lithuanians and his Bisputins. He sits them down. He goes, you're our new Walter Waite division. All of you. He might even grab Tim Bradley and say, hey, bro, you're not that fat. You're in this Walter Waite discussion, too. You're all going to be top-ranked Walter Waites on ESPN. We're going to build you all up, and your gauntlet style going to face Bud. There could be worse plans, Rafe, as you said, because Josh Taylor critically is there, commercially has a chance. I think Progress still has a chance to do both, coming off of that tough ass loss. Yeah, this is this is fun. I mean, it. it I think you're going to have to mix in the PBC side to a degree. Though. Oh, of course, no, I'm not saying that. Like that, that those fights should never happen, but we know they're harder to make. They take longer, and. Sitting around waiting for them while Terrence Crawford has to fight the likes of – look, the Mean Machine fight, I think, in retrospect, 
we can't really complain about it. It turned out to be a very good fight. Mean Machine performed and and then it brought out a whole new level of Bud Crawford or not maybe not a level in terms of ability, but just, you know, it brought out the nasty Bud and we love that guy. I mean, he's the most Bud fun. Crawford is dangerous. Yeah. I mean, how fun was it to watch that? And he's kept it up, right? He's still pissed. He's still mad that that he had he basically suffered a flash knockdown but didn't get called for it. He's still <laughs> mad. He's taking it out on the world. He's talking he's he's yelling at poor Errol Spence who hasn't even come back from from his car crash. He's yelling it at my colleague Mike Covinger on Twitter. Uh, yeah, can we start there uh the top operator top wolf? Look, uh Boxing writers have gotten themselves in friendly fire before. Dan Rayfield's been come at by Broner, Briggs, many hey, in the past, right? And Wilder. Remember that Wilder-Rayfield feud for a while? Uh, to this day, I remember that. But uh, to start a new decade, you want to talk about the owned moment of the of a lifetime? Bud sent cop to hell, Rafe, okay? He sent a lot more people on Twitter since he's been this uh, this new dawn that he's opened up, the new year, no limits for Bud, but... Wow, did he send uh the cop cop tastic. Yeah, Bomac wow. Bomac was in the corner just being like You took his nuts, now you got to take his whole soul. <laughs> take his house out away. Yes. Wow. Um Rafe, to close on Taylor, if his next two years features undisputed fight with Ramirez, rematch with Progray, Bud Showdown, I mean this is a great signing. For, great and signing. plus, all those fighters can mix with each other, right? Yes. It's not just about Josh Taylor. Look, I know I, I agree with you that I I see a, a special quality in Taylor and Progray that I haven't always seen in Ramirez. But I will give – the one thing I will say about Jose Ramirez, and it's not just because I had to write about him last month. It is that he – overachieves he 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 figured like when you think that this someone else has the edge on him physically or might have you know whatever whatever you think that he shouldn't be able to do he's going to surprise people because he's got some he does have an intangible i i do i've, I've seen it in the ring and oh. i think speaking to him at length did make me believe that a little bit more I but mean, i i think it's more because of the amiri mom fight the maurice hooker fight guys who I kind of thought might have an edge on him going in. And he went in and, and beat gotta, the crap out them. I got a word of caution for you. Don't let the smooth taste fool you. Um, I don't know. Like, he can win the irrigation battles, Rafe, but I don't know if he's beating Josh Taylor or Bud Crawford. Like, get out of here. I don't know either, but I'm saying he's he's going to – you you look at them, and I understand, because by the eye test sometimes you look at them and say, okay, these guys are on – High, high level, and this other guy is on high level. I think that he will show that he can get closer to that level than he looks when when the when the night comes. I don't know. I'm not going to pick him over them, but he's he just he has a thing, man. He's he, he's ne- I can I have a I I just can tell that guy's never going to beat himself. You are going to have to beat him, and you're going to have to be like a top. 15-ish pound-for-pound kind of guy, and I think that Progray and Taylor are in that neighborhood, but you're going to have to fight like it to beat him. Rafe, uh, I think you have beaten yourself many times. Many times. (laughs) You have to look at the whole man. Many times. Uh, Rafe, about that Bud Spence war, on Twitter, obviously. Uh, you know, a couple of F-words back and forth, I'm the real. Uh, the, The really, the meatiest part, I thought, was when Twice, Bud responded with like, like, yo, like, 
basically all joking aside, I'm going to send you to hell. Like, I'm going to knock your ass out. And then in the end, Bud kind of came around and said, no, I respect him. We cool. We're going to make this fight. Worldboxingnews.net or whatever the hell that site is put out there that they've been talking on the phone. I don't know if it's true. Do you think that this exchange, which, by the way, this is what I want people to do. When you want to fight guys on the other side of the street, take it upon yourself with your Twitter fingers or with your microphone to say that. Does this give you the feeling that we're getting there? That that 2020 could, if not bring that fight, could really be stirring that pot to set it up. Um, I do think that. I think I would feel it even stronger if, you know, just if we knew where Errol Spence was at. You know, we don't, unfortunately. We want to know. Um, and we, it sounds like we'll, we'll get a better grip on that soon. I know that his trainer, Derek James, was on the PBC podcast this week. And Spence, of course, went on, did the interview and, and said that he'd be fighting this year. Sound, he's back in the gym. All of that is good, but it's still after what he's been through. You would be crazy to take any, any, you know, he said, Oh, I don't want to tune up. Okay. We'll see who the opponent ends up being. If he, if he ends up, if he comes back and fights, Danny Garcia coming off of uh, a win over Mr. Redcock, great. If he if he walks right, look, this is the other sort of game theory question here. If you're Manny, if you're Manny Pacquiao, the great fighting senador of the Republic of the Philippines, do you get in Al's ear and say, "I'll fight Errol Spence, but I will fight him only now, right now." His first fight back. Do so you take that chance? That's a great question. Does, does Errol Spence take that chance? Uh, I wrote a story on CBSSports.com this week that essentially says, look, Manny, rejuvenated, 41, has so many options. What could his year look like? And I went down through each potential opponent from the PBC guys to Crawford to, to Floyd to Mikey Garcia, anyone, and asked those same questions. I think it's dependent upon this, Rafe. When the rumors came out about, hey, Mikey Garcia signing a one-fight deal with DAZN for the hopes of fighting Manny to end the year, meaning that the oligarch would throw so much cash at free agent Manny, we don't seem to know. Does he have one fight or two fights left on his PBC deal? This is Manny we're talking about. I don't know if we actually know that answer. If we don't know for sure, there has been much more reporting that it was a three-fight deal, which would mean one more fight. That had been options. the story for a very long time. Then, late last year, all of a sudden, you started hearing it was a four-fight deal, and that I don't well, – we have tricky. no way to tell. What gets trickier are the options and the language in the options and what those mean, right of first, refu first right of refusal, all that stuff, okay? If he has two fights left, I think – he looks at the, the trio, this is Manny, of Danny Garcia, Errol Spence, and Sean Porter. And there's pluses and minuses of each one. The biggest money is probably Spence, although I'm going to tell you, don't discount Danny Garcia's brand. He's never been in a pay-per-view, but he's one of the most consistent ticket-selling and cable brands that there is. And if he sends Redcock to hell... It's like another one in a row you put in the highlight reel. His dad can talk. There's some swag there, okay? I think the easiest matchup of the three is Danny. So if he has two fights left, Rafe, I think Manny fights either Danny or Porter. Two fights that Manny knows he can win. Two fights that he knows would be exciting because Manny always keeps saying, man, I just want to have the most exciting opponent who comes at me so we can make a good fight for the fans. Manny prefers to 
have you come at him rather than at 41 having to chase you, right? That's that's obvious. And I think he would fight Spence at the end of the year. This is if he has two fights left, Rafe, right? Because mm-hmm. then if you're if you're Heyman, you're you're using Manny's brand to put these other guys over. That's why you signed him and helped him with his IRS debt reportedly or whatever to, to make this happen. So you give him a pay-per-view first that he can win. And then you give him to Spence and see what happens, whatever. If he only has one fight left and can wiggle out, Rafe, that's where it gets interesting. That's where I think you go to Spence right now. Or maybe you talk to Bob about Crawford. And you try to say, look, Bob, you have no leverage at all for Crawford to fight anybody with a pulse. And I know, Bob, that you want Spence and Crawford to fight each other. Because you're desperate. And I know that we're doing deals together with Fury Wilder. So how about this? You agree to do a two-network promotion for Pacquiao Crawford in the final Pacquiao fight on PBC. But the fight will air on Fox Pay-Per-View. We'll screw you over on the numbers. But we'll guarantee you a Spence fight with Crawford if he wins over the next 12 months. Does any of that make sense to you? That, okay, there's a million things about the Crawford thing that make zero sense. The first one is if PBC is trying to screw top rank on an imaginary Crawford Pacquiao pay-per-view, they're going to make ESPN put that on because Manny's guarantee is so high. And to fight Bud Crawford, you're going to have to double it or something that you are going to take a huge bath on that pay-per-view. So you don't want to touch that thing with a 10-foot pole if you're the network. I guess, I mean, the network gets a guarantee. It's the promoter who has to eat the, the whatever, the losses. So yeah, the promoter that does not want that fight. It Ray, ain't a moneymaker. Now, a it may be worth Bar- it to build a star. I was going to say you can get a good look at Bob Arum's ass by sticking your head down Mr. Kansas pants, but wouldn't you want to take Evan Corn's <laughs> word for it? I mean, come on. Um, and, uh, you know, we've seen, uh, we've seen Manny against Keith Thurman, who is not as good a fighter as Bud Crawford, but who is probably similar in terms of draw and popularity. What did that, that didn't even do 500,000. So, um, you ain't going to make your money back on that fight. And any, the other thing is, Manny had enough, had how many opportunities to fight Terrence Crawford over the past five years? It is that, that I don't think will ever happen. The only reason I could see Manny doing a, okay, I'll fight Spence now is because nobody knows. It's, you don't know if Errol Spence's head got like, – obviously it got a little messed up because he lost some teeth. But if he uh, – you know, I mean if he ha- if it just changed his outlook on life, that is an extremely scary, awful experience to go through. And I'm grateful that he is he got through it as well as he has. But for we know that, that you know, boxing is such a mental game and just – you don't know what, what – this is the most uncertain I think we'll ever we may ever see Errol Spence in, in terms of you know we don't know what we're getting true but and I that's think, what you would be gambling on if you're Pacquiao true but I because like you it, ain't you don't you're not if Manny coming straight out of the Porter fight if there was no car accident he ain't asking to fight Errol Spence what I'm saying is he's only fighting Spence this spring if he only has one fight one deal left one fight deal one fight left on his PBC deal the, but I want to counter what you said. Hey, man, well, said I mean, there's he, one thing, Brian, is that the uh, so if Matchroom and DeZone seem to be operating under the impression that Manny only has one fight left, right? Because man, on his PBC deal and will be a free agent in the second half of 2020, 
because they're talking about that, that you, we know that this is DAZN's make or break year as a business where they need to do whatever they can, spend every, spend the entire treasure chest, whatever's left over on building big events and big fights, circus fights, YouTuber fights, anything to build that subscriber base this year so they can get a piece of the this major team rights that are up in 2021. This is it. This is make or break for DAZN this year. So that they are going to want to do something, make a splash like Pacquiao. And they must have – you can't say they must, but you would imagine they have some intel suggesting that Manny will be a free agent later this year, that that, that is not just something they've made up in their heads, a made-up scenario. Um what were you going to say? You're going to dispute gonna something? How dare you? I was going to counter you and say you used as sort of leverage in your argument. Well, look, Manny had years to fight Bud and he didn't. When Manny was willing to fight Thurman this past summer when he didn't need to, right? Could have gone with easier guys, whatever. Could have done whatever he wanted. And then beat him the way he did and looked fantastic whether he's got the headphones on or not, by the way. That's in play. Um, that showed me what I sort of thought inside. That he would have fought Bud at any point. If the money would have been right, and I do think even though you hate when people speculate and act like they know about Manny's money troubles or lack of money troubles or anything, but if what we hear is true about the whole IRS issue and Al was willing to help pay it off in order to bring him to PBC and use him as a pay-per-view tool in 2019 and 2020, then he wasn't going to fight Bud two and a half years ago when Bud wasn't a brand. What did wasn't on ESPN like crazy at that point, and if you try to do it in the states, they'd lose money. So, I think things have changed. I could I see the point, but I look they. You know what? No, because Manny's still going to get the same guarantee from Top Rank, whether they're fighting on HBO pay per view or ESPN pay per view. That money doesn't change to fight Bud, and Manny doesn't really get any more famous than he. He is, right? He's got less famous because Floyd retired, but other than that, he, he, he is who he is. He's right. He's, he's the best known fighter in the world. Um, maybe not as currently important to boxing business as Canelo or AJ. All right, Rafe. I just, I think that tax thing changed things. All right. Tax season. Seatbelt season. It's tax season coming up as well, well. And then the other question, Brian, is, does will Manny use if he does have impending free agency? Can he use that as leverage either for making this last fight on if it is his last fight with on his PVC deal, or when he goes into free agency to tell Mister Al Heyman, you either you you call call your friends, call Floyd Mayweather. No, no, no. Tell him we have to make this fight. No, no, no. Otherwise, I am going across the street. I'm going across the pond to my man, Eddie Hearn, the great Eddie Hearns, and we are going to make a Mikey Garcia fight or, God forbid, a Jesse Vargas 2 fight. Manny don't care. They'll pay him $80 million to go mess around in the Middle East somewhere, and that's the end of the story. Don't, don't you see how he will have that leverage? Like, you give no. me Floyd. Otherwise, I'm out. Here's why. Here it comes. Floyd, I believe, from the outside looking in, is the only fighter that Al doesn't really have control over. Right? Floyd does what he wants. I mean, he kind of bombarded 
Deontay Wilder I think, fight I think week. Manny also does what he wants, but yes. He bombarded, you know, fight week by by talking about his own comeback and taking the the, the news away from Wilder. Um, Floyd's going to do what he wants, obviously. I just don't believe that Floyd wants to fight a competitive fight anymore. He's going to be 43 in February. He saw how much money he can make against the Conor McGregor type. He came back last against that 20-year-old kickboxer who was a featherweight he knows that Manny at 41 is capable of beating him. Well, he has been active, Rafe. He's not going to fight a real guy. And he's in bed right now with Dana White with this handshake deal. I'm telling you, if he fights in 2020, it's going to be against a UFC fighter. And that's it. He's not putting that 50-0 on the line against a real person. He knew that at 38, he had enough to beat 36-year-old Pacquiao. He knew that at 32, he may have had trouble with 30-year-old Pacquiao, and he's smart enough to know now the score, if you will, at where they're both at. It ain't, it's not, it won't. Obviously, you can never count it out because the potential windfall is insane, but it ain't happening, Rafe. Well, that may be true, Brian. I, I, I think that's very sound reasoning, but that may not change Manny's position. Manny's position still may be, he goes in, he talks to, to, to PBC and Al Heyman and says, look... If you want me to stick around, get me a Floyd fight. If you don't, if, if, if that's not possible, right? Floyd's not available. That, that's Floyd's, it's Floyd's life, his decision, right? Floyd's not available. Then, okay, I will fight Danny Garcia and then peace. I'm going to go yeah. make a ton of money in the Middle East with, with the great Eddie Hearns. And guess who's not going to be able to do anything about that if Floyd says, nah, I'm good. Al, Al Begarfoot, you know? That's it, that's, that's it, right? Rafe, at another... least he can ask. At least he can ask. That is true. I got another topic to bring up, though. Let's talk Jeff Horn. All right. Thank you. Jeff Horn was a real man, Rafe, when he got up off the canvas, or got up off the, 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 the bloody eye, I mean, to send that stripper to Guy Ritchie territory, if you know what I mean. Okay. There wasn't a body shot. Uh, Jeff Horn doesn't mess around, okay? Wow. Jeff Horn was a real man. He's trying to make an all-Aussie Super Bowl like we talked about with Tim Zhu, the hard-hitting son of Kostya Zhu. What the hell weight class would this be? I know them Aussies are shift shapers. I know they, I Mundine think Tim Zhu's been it. fighting at 154, so that's pretty easy. That's oh, where nice. Jeff Horn wanted to fight. Uh, Zarafa, but Zarafa for the second fight said, no, 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 mate, you better come. You wanted, you wanted to taste this middleweight pole. I will, I will, you come get it again two times. And, wow. and look, Horn was a real man. He climbed that pole. He didn't, he swallowed. The old term in boxing is he swallowed. Oh, right. <laughs> okay. Uh, your thoughts on negotiations here and is there any chance, and Tim Zoo is unproven, let's be honest about that. Is there any chance that Jeff Horn's gonna like walking into hell here? Like by like like all the all you know, Mundine got got broken off a few times at the end there too. I Jeff mean, Horn is not eighty years old like Anthony Mundine was when he was doing that crazy shape shifting down the stretch. Tim, I, I don't understand why this is honestly necessarily considered a um competitive fight, Brian, because Jeff Horn may not be a world beater, but he's proven something in the ring. And Tim Zhu, other than being coming from his daddy's nut, has not proved that much in the ring. Well, he's 15 and 0 with 11 KOs. He's 25 years old. Has he fought outside of Australia? No. 
Has what? he fought anything but Australians and South Africans? Two fights ago, Rafe, he took a decision from Dwight Ritchie. The okay. Now Rest we know peace. that the transitive property doesn't work in boxing, <laughs> but if Jeff Horn just beat Michael Zarafa, you see where <laughs> I'm going. Hey, on a serious note, to the descendants of Alex McClintock and everyone else down under, man, these fires, Rafe. You got any a socio-political take on this? What the hell's going on here? Is there a socio-political take on on horrendous forest fires? I guess that climate change is real. Sorry if I offended anyone, but what the what is anyone supposed? I mean, uh, be, please be safe. Please, I don't even know if anyone listens, but yeah, no, this this it's awful. Losing homes, losing lives, dying animals. I hope Wash Keel is safe, Rafe. I mean, come on, right? <laughs> yeah, let's hope that he is not. Yeah, partying with Oscar somewhere. Wow. <laughs> um, Brian, I wasn't done talking Jeff Horn. Um, yeah, yeah, right, Rafey. No, no, I'm not done. I, it struck me, you know what we need down there in Australia? And apparently there's money for Jeff Horn and big Jeff Horn fights there. And there are two quality blokes from the United Kingdom who are kind of on their way out of the sport, which means they're exactly the kind of guy who goes down under to fight Jeff Horn. We usually talk about these two blokes fighting each other, and that would be great if they do someday, but I don't even care. I think they both need to go mix it up with the Aussies. What about, imagine this, Jeff Horn, Amir Khan. Wow. The uh, the ridiculousness of those two people. You know Amir would make him go to 147, though. You know he would. That would kill Jeff. Didn't, 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 didn't Khan fight above welterweight against billy dib who was like a featherweight <laughs> yes and he fought at uh canelo weight when he got sent to hell. that's right he's he's um, look he was he was winning that fight to everyone who didn't he, believe that he was going to get knocked out <laughs> they did ask kel brook about amir i think khan's holding out some glimmer of hope that it could be in the opposite corner it probably is yeah you know because i i think that he's he's like a bit like a whore you know, he's, uh, wow. he's he's looking for the biggest money fights he can. Wow. Okay. Uh, may- maybe it's uh maybe Amir needs to call out AJ again for himself. Well, you you know, know, he needs to bring his whores to the war. Um, <laughs> We're gonna have a challenge, <laughs> Brian. Brian, I'm glad you brought up Mr. Special K because I think he should bring himself and a bag of those little chocolate brownies down to Brisbane or Bendigo. To fight with those guys, too. I would love me some Jeff Horn, Kel Brook. So really, all the washed welters that we have yes. pitched in the past. <laughs> WBSS you know, the, washed welters. The Burdos, the Broners that we have pitched in the past to start like a contender series or, or you know, reality show. You're just saying they should just all go down under. Because if you really think about it, could you imagine Broner Horn? That's business, bro. That would sell. That's amazing. I would love that. I mean, come on, do it. In my opinion, the sun is setting on Adrian Broner. Well, hurry. Get down there before it's all burnt. I mean, let's make this, Rafe. I'm into it, man. And fighters, I know y'all listen to this. I know know you listen to this gospel here. Jeff Horn is printing money down there. I know it's a long flight. But it's worth it. I'm not done seeing Glenn Rushton in like major press conferences and like, you know, 
24-7 type deals. We need to, I need a face-off with, with Glenn Rushton and somebody else. I mean, come on. That was a great Did you get me that. that sound yet, my man? No, I bet you didn't. Which, which, which sound? Oh, Zarafa telling Jeff Horn he's going to end his career. And they're like, Jeff, you have any, any response to that? And he's like, no response. My, I will respond with my fist and the ring. <laughs> no, I think there was an F word in that, right? Yeah, there were many F words in the Zarafa part. It. It's, you know, it's hard. It's hard, Rafe, okay? You know? I'm X-rated, and he ain't. You know, we're X-rated enough in the show, Rafe, okay? I don't need I don't need the F to fall. Um, In other news, Rafe, uh, God, God, you see that Jake Paul DAZN press conference? I did not watch the press conference yet. Is it, is it uh, worth revisiting? Should I revisit that collaboration? Uh, all I saw was what most people saw, which was a video of the face-off afterwards in which I don't know oh, even the, the name. got your nose trick. Yeah, they did the got your nose. They're grabbing tips of the nose, Rafe. They're, you know, they're analyzing. I have a group of analysts who receive the tip. They review the tip. Uh, they analyze the tip information. All right, here's the deal. Who was it? Was it Vo who like like French kissed the nose once? Yes, what, which Floyd's. One? Yes, yes, accidentally. Yeah, uh, I got down for KSI and Logan Paul the rematch. Okay, we went through that. Had them both on the show. Who was what? If, was what was really? the Kareem Mayfield weigh in where like he smelled the guy's chest? Yes, yes. Who was that? Was that uh? And said like I smell kitty cat and um. And then, and then a, there was a hole. Didn't he bite his nipple or something? I don't know. <laughs> well, Rafe, I was in on Logan Paul KSI. Who the hell is that? <laughs> I knew he was going to say that. No, those are YouTubers. Rafe, I was in on those YouTubers. I got in on the storyline. I spread the legs for the traffic, had him on this pod, was entertained that night despite Radio Rahim saying boxing wins. Uh... But then was sort of done. It happened at work. Congrats to Eddie Hearn. Congrats to everybody else. It's done. I am now drawing the line right here. I will not. I've been asked if I want Jake Paul on this podcast. No, 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 no. Why can't, not? Brian, you know, you're, you're throwing away do uh, some listens there. No, no, can't. Nope. Won't do it. Can't do it. Um, not going to do it. Don't want to watch the fight. Don't want anything to do with it. So. I'm curious, though. The, the, my real question, the thing I'll be keeping an eye on here is basically how 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 much legs, if any, does the YouTuber fight phenomenon have? The Logan Paul KSI rematch did great business for the zone for Staples Center. It was a crazy ass crowd. It was fun to be there. Um, can they expect anything like that again now they might because it'll be a weird crowd just because it's super bowl week in miami there will be a lot of movers and shakers and sleazy d-list celebrities and um i i, I mean i think it is smart business for the zone to have this card even if out even if it ends up doing poorly or whatever um What's because it puts it puts the great john skipper down there with his C-suite friends in Super Bowl week to cut some deals, to, to grease some palms, do do his thing with the big sports people. Are you talking um, about Bugar Sugar? Oh, I don't think – I hope that's – I mean, it, well, Miami, you know, first you get the money <laughs> and you get the power. Uh, he's – Jake Paul's fighting Ann Eason Gibb. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that is. He is a gamer. From the UK, they fought this? on the original KSI Logan Paul card in Manchester, no. or was it at York Hall in London? I don't yeah, know. you're right. Uh, right. Manchester Arena. Um, He's small. Uh, he is small. Yeah, I don't know what 
how they're supposed to weigh in within 15 pounds of each other, but apparently they will. Um, I guess it doesn't matter because neither of them is any good at boxing. So how much harm can they do to each other? Um, but you know, you keep teasing that bag. Hopefully it never bursts on you, but we'll see. Um, I don't know. Do you think that this, do you, I, I look, the first one was a success. Can they do it again? I'm done, Rafe. I'm done. Here's the deal. Though. I'm not like, asking you, Brian, okay. if you like it. If I don't they like do it either. Trilogy, like a uh, you know a year from now, six months from now, whatever. I think people were entertained enough that it would be less of a big success, but it'd be another success. But now they're going down the line. This is like Saved by the Bell, the new class, right? Like they're they're going like this bootleg now. Like I don't need me some Jake Paul. I need. Ensign Gibb, I don't know. I guess I didn't, but like, look, uh, yeah, I, I know that I know what you mean. Jake Paul is like the, um, what Jose Angel Cotto to Miguel Cotto, the <laughs> the Matthew Hatton to Ricky Hatton. Yo, he right? had he had Canelo rocked, bro. Right? <laughs> I know, I know. Um, and um, this is so so. Does that? But I don't even know in this world. In the world, there you in the YouTube world with the kids these days, to Gen Z, whoever's they want to actually be the audience for this fight. Maybe this is a bigger fight to them. Maybe they're more excited. I don't know what the, these dumbasses want, <laughs> so I don't blame them for trying. And uh, it, I am curious though to see, yeah, does, how soon will it be running on fumes, or is this a real phenomenon? By the way, you brought up your boy Logan Paul. Stop. Do you think is there any chance you saw that other nonsense? Did you? Antonio Brown? Yes. Is a uh, good like, lord. Do, is that going to happen? It. Are we going to have to talk about this Brian? No, I'm not following it. Can we walk out? I know, but if they make a fight, it's going to it's going to land in our laps. I don't, I have enough ABs in my life, I, Rafe. Right? I just want to talk. Yeah. Look, I just want to talk about Mama Provodnikov. I didn't ask for this. <laughs> Uh, to close here on the news, Rafe, uh, the, the news is that there's no news. Fury Wilder's going to happen February 22nd. ESPN and Fox, giant ordeal. Let's bring in Joe Tessitore. To me, we'll break every pay-per-view record. It'll be the most viewed fight in the modern era of boxing. Um, hey, guys, you got to actually promote it. What the hell's going on here, Rafe? That's the great thing about that quote. If you watch that video, the very next thing is Tim Bradley saying, the best part is we don't even have to promote it. These guys are such good talkers. I'm like, well, they are very good talkers, Tim, but you're trying to make you maximize the, the revenue. You probably want to promote it. Look, this is such a fail, the way that this has gone down. What do I mean by that? Wilder fighting so close against Ortiz. Luckily, nothing bad happened, right? And now we're kicking this off without a proper build. How the hell could you not do one press conference, let alone a tour, when you have these levels of personalities, Rafe? I was at one of those stops on the Wilder Fury 1 tour, on that battleship in, in New York City. No, it wasn't Maymac level performance It's called the art. Intrepid, Brian. Yeah, it, it was not Maymac level rap battle performance art. But it was like the next but it was closest fun. I've seen to it exactly. in boxing. Exactly. Every other stop had moments. Remember that fake push and shove they did? Like, it was great. Like, that's how you trick casuals. This fight demands that. Not just having fury on college game day. Like, the, what is happening here? Does this speak to the Bob and Al thing? What does this speak to, Rafe? Why can't I don't you know. Make it's this difficult. 
Um, I, I really can't figure it out. I, I mean, I think it, a lot of it has to do with the abbreviated timeline, right? Because they couldn't officially make the fight until, well, I guess they did officially make the, or I don't know, what, what, it, the timeline is so screwed up, right? I mean, they announced it eight months in advance, then they didn't do anything. I mean, who the hell cares? Um, but you know what does, they didn't do? You know what they didn't do? They didn't call huh. Brian Campbell for PBC face to face. They didn't do that. It's Too not bad. That, that would have been an epic one. It won't. Um, and I'm not. Okay. I'm sorry. I was looking forward to watching that one on Fox Television, like I always do with my grandma. You know, uh, rest her rest her soul. God bless you, grandma. Um, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but no. Um, it's interesting because on the on the face of it, you would think there is so much. Riding on this Fox, this joint pay-per-view with Fox and ESPN for the continuation of these kinds of of fights, and the pay-per-view model Fox has had some success with it, and Fox, the network likes it because they're the way that it's been set up. They've been insulated from risk. They they the the losses don't hurt them, so it's good business for them. But at some point, if they if the net, if the promoters aren't making the money they need to see off of them, they're going to have to stop doing them. And this one could be a real disaster. Both guys have to are probably going to get what eight figure guarantees, right? They're probably both making close to twenty million or more. Yeah, somebody's got to pay for that, Rafe. And they need a lot of buys on that to make that worthwhile. The first one did. 300 something thousand wilder's last fight did less than 300,000 yeah, i think the champ you're gonna need some buys but you need them pies that you had the other night no, buys. you need like five or ten more of those pies five or ten hundred thousand more of those buys right? yes yes that is true um it's it's scary and I, look i look everyone whether you like tyson fury whether you hate tyson fury whether you like or hate deontay wilder whether you think that heavyweights are crap and you wish that they didn't get so much attention, whether you're a total hipster, we should all want this fight to do extremely well. Even if we love to laugh at promoters when they, when they, when, when they fall flat on their face, we should still want this to do extremely well because this, the, the success of this is what's going to lead to, to Spence Crawford down the line. If this tanks and they have to, and they throw, and everyone goes back into their sandboxes, we're screwed. You're damn right. This is a, this is an interesting year, Rafe, because of the potential of these cross-network relationships, because boxing is hot right now. The bubble's going to burst. I'm sorry. It is. It's going to burst. It's what hot. is? What do you think the craziest thing? So we, we were bring, bringing this up with uh, we're talking about Manny and possibly, go, you know, DAZN's interest in setting up a, a Mikey Garcia fight later this year, maybe doing something, you know, in in uh, an emirate or a or a or a, a royal kingdom type big money fight. Brian, what are oh, and the stakes we're saying for DAZN are very high this year. They need this year to be huge for them. And that suggests they might do some out of the box things. What's the craziest thing that you think they might try? Uh, I mean, they're already in the YouTube business. Uh, um, I mean, the I, Logan Paul AB fight would be something. Yeah. I don't think, you know, they're not. Will they throw right? a big enough bag at Vlad to fight Joshua? Will they throw a big enough bag at Andre Ward to fight Canelo? Those are two strong suggestions in that category. You know, you wonder if they're even talking to Floyd. 
Like, I know Dana is because he wants to bring it to, you know, UFC Fight Pass and team up in, in the promotion of that. But with everyone knows, you know, everyone knows the, the richest person in the room, right? So everybody knows, okay, it's probably the oligarch. If anybody can produce the craziest amount of stupid money while the bubble is still wide, it's certainly that Ukrainian man. So uh, there there are no limits. Floyd fighting a circus fight on the zone. I mean, there's a lot of potential options there. I would just hope that they're as close to competitive as possible, right? You know, like like the idea of Andre Ward coming back, something like that, rather than the idea of, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't need it. I don't need it. I don't want it. Nope, I don't want it. Um, where, I, where was I going before that, Ray? Uh, Wilder Fury two pay per view issues. Oh, man, you know, wow, wow, it is hot. It is hot. Wow. It's such a oddly fertile time with the bubble wide, meaning there's this deal where these fights are on Fox. ESPN is caring about boxing. DAZN throwing stupid money at people. Me are cashing checks left and right. It's great. I love it. I hope it doesn't pop. But are you beginning to see the are you have do you have fears that Fox kicks off 2020 and their first fight is J-Rock Williams against a guy you never heard of and their second fight is potentially Adam Kovnatsky versus Boobs Brazil. Is this now? Are you, my, my man, I got bad news for you. The most recent reporting on that Kovnatsky fight is that it is going to be versus Robert Hellenius. Oh, okay. So Didn't he just get sent to hell oh by, God. um, yes, yes. Gaio, who Ray, sent, who was sent to hell by Kovnatsky not okay, long ago? You further prove my point here. As you remember, 2015 launch of PBC, right? There were good but not great matchups, but they were consistent. Remember? Like, yes. Danny Garcia, Paul, and Malnagy, not great, but we're like, okay, good co-main to go with it. You know, that type of stuff was going on. Another wasn't, example. Wasn't Mora Jacobs the, uh, the co-main to that? I believe so, yes. You got great things, things like Danny Garcia, Robert Guerrero, where you're like, I don't want that, but that's okay. 2016, though, the ramps went away. Hans Zimmer went away. And you know what happened next. It got bad. Rafe, it's, I don't know if this is starting slow so that, let's say, Showtime can get a bump up in the PBC and get some bigger names. I don't know. But is this the Heyman model to sort of like, you know, get in shape when you meet the new girl and then dip into getting fat and drinking too much by the end of it? I don't know. I actually get the feeling. I understand the the comparison and it, I guess you could you could draw some some similar trends there. In this case, though, it seems like Fox is really on board with this strategy, even if it is uh, not very kind to fans of putting making sort of stay busy and showcase fights on the network and on FS1 and then saving the premium stuff for pay-per-view. Now, I understand why the network likes that. It's really kind of foul to do that to fans to be like you stick with us all year long now please drop an extra 350 to 400 dollars a year on fights some of which really never in never would have been considered pay-per-view worthy until this very day um but that 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 seems to be a a model that fox likes right fox wants four or five pay-per-views this year i'll tell you what what will decide it so what was good about the first year of pbc on fox big fox Again, matchups weren't great, but yet at the same time, we got Harrison, Charlo, one and two. We got 
J-Rock against uh, Jarrett Hurd. Like, you know, those are like, holy crap, I got to see these, right? If a fight like Jermel Charlo against Julian Williams, if that comes to pass to be a unification, if that goes to pay-per-view, then we got issues, right? Possibly, yeah, but that's that, I wouldn't. I mean, look, all every fighter is saying that, right? Every fighter, every meaning sort of big, but not pay per view level fighter, Jamel, Jamal Charlo, they're all saying, yeah, next one should be pay per view. Why? Ain't no reason, but they want the money. I, I good reason for them, not a good reason for any other reason. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting this year, Rafe. Are you ready to care about this weekend? You have a minute to care. Oh, of course I got a man Okay, let's find out if Rafe Books cares this weekend. It goes down Friday, Atlantic City, New Jersey. We're going to try this again. It's going to be on Showtime. Clarissa Shields moving down to 154, taking on Ivana Habazin for what has now become a unification fight for two vacant titles. Rafe, sadly, this is how women's boxing does A it. unification fight for two vacant titles? Yes. What does that even mean? I don't know how this is possible, but the WBC and the WBO titles will be on the line. You know the long story. This was supposed to be last fall. Somebody in Clarissa Shields' camp knocked out her brother. Her brother knocked out Habazin's trainer. Not in his, not in her camp officially, by the way. Uh, yes, you're right. And they called off the fight card and the broadcast. Right? Or they didn't. They didn't even run that show back, did they? They did a. They did a. They did a broadcast. Okay. Yes. Uh, Clarissa Shields since then has really gone down the road of of public villain. People are turning on her left and right on on Twitter for her reaction to that. Uh, do we, do you care? Do you care about this, Rafe? She's trying to, she's really trying to make money and put herself out there. She showed up at the last UFC card. She's now claiming John Jones is going to train her to fight, uh, Amanda Nunes. I mean, like, where, what are we doing here? Where are we at in the state of Clarissa Shields and your care level? Ma'am, my care level has been at... It's rude for me to not care, so I care. And that's where it's been. That's where it's going to be. She's very good. None of these fights have been worth watching. All right. We'll see I don't know is. what to say. They, and, and from what everyone says about this fight, it ain't going to be worth watching either. Like nobody thinks that this that Habazin, Habazin is any good and might beat her. Ivana Habazin. Yes, uh, I think um, you're right. I think if this is it's, a it's too bad. Like I would like to see some competitive fights. I I don't know. Look, we not we all act like we know the the women's boxing landscape well enough to explain that oh the talent pool isn't there. I guess that's the truth. That's what I hear all the time. But I haven't watched enough fights to know. But when I do watch, I'm like I don't know why I'm watching this. So I like that's, the build. The I don't I don't care, man. It was a fight that mattered. Hammer was marketable to a certain degree. Shields look great in it. Yeah, how'd that do? Did anybody care? Moving down in weight, I think that storyline has been damaged by what happened when they first tried to do this fight. I think Clarissa Shields has some cleanup to do in the marketing department. I mean, look, if they can make... I don't even care. I don't even care about her marketing. I don't care about her, like, whether people like her or not. That can... Look, that can work both ways. And some of it's unfair. She gets a lot of stick, as the Brits say. Uh, for stuff that a lot of fighters do or or act like. And, and it's, you could say, I mean, you see, yeah, man, you see like Steve Kim railing at her. That's just nasty and weird. I don't don't like Like, that. You got a problem if you're that obsessed with, 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 uh, going after someone. I don't care about Jesus. I don't care about his people. I don't care about his family. I don't care about them. Um, I'm sorry to single him out, but I've seen him do it. And I know there are others. Um, that that's inappropriate that's that's not professional behavior and and look 
Um, should she also strive to be more professional in a lot of her public statements? Sure. But boxers are not held to the same standard of decorum as professional writers, as journalists, boxing as whatever the heck sport. we are. Yeah, boxing is a hood sport, right? You know that, yeah, well, but writers, but people who write about it aren't, and they should not kid themselves that they are. Um, and uh, so that's a, that's the storyline here. But when it comes down to it, I don't care about the fight. I, I like it, it ain't it ain't gonna be worth watching. I I'll, I'll put my I'll put my money on that. Um, well, and it's too bad. She should go do UFC because there's money there for her. And I'd be more curious to see how because at least I've watched Amanda Nunez fight a few times and she's real good. I'm curious what happens. Oh, she's the, the best female ever. Um, I would be more curious if she said kind of what Heather Hardy did when she went to Bellator for a few fights. She's like, look, I'm gonna try this 100. I'm trying this. I'm full time. Make even though Hardy was really part time, but you get what I'm saying. I'm full time making the move to MMA, and I'm going to try this. I would be, I think it would be fun watching the build up. What I don't like is like calling out the big names and saying, "I'll fight you first in MMA, then you box me." The the the, the demand isn't there, so when the demand isn't there, it it it's a little bit of a reach, and it's desperate. But uh, I like one thing I like, and I'll stand by two things. She's a, she's a great interview. She says what what's on her mind. She believes in herself. Two. She wants to be great. She'll fight anybody at any weight class. So the idea that she's now down two weight classes from where she started, like I, I like that she's trying to fight anybody for any belt possible. That's how you become the greatest, of the great, the glow. Oh, God. All right. Hey, co-main event, Jerron Boots Ennis against Bakhtiar Ayubov. Uh, should I care now about Jerron Ennis? We're there, right? You should have done been caring about Jerron Ennis, my man, because – a lot of you, you, you put your ear down to the street, Brian, and the streets will tell you that he, they'll, they'll whisper some wild things. They'll say he's already as good as the Errol Spences and the Terrence Crawfords of the world. What? Now, I know that's crazy. I know that's crazy talk. You already talk, know he's the best. But there is crazy talk about this man, and um, it's impossible to really evaluate right now on that level but he looks like a hell of a young against fighter he's 22 two, years old against keep two, him busy stay busy arturo arturo trujillo that stuff against busy two, against two against who 24 uh, i don't know it's like KOs. some ex-prospect lost a couple fights can punch Philly he's guy, gonna get he's gonna get sent 22 years old 24 no 22 ko's i hear a lot of internet chatter I'm not woketh to the level I need to be to be a professional podcaster, right? But I'm ready. I'm ready to check this out on Friday and catch up, if you will. Right on. Wait, what's your favorite condiment? Um, mustard. Really? Like regular mustard? I like a good brown mustard, a little spicy. Mustard's gross, Rafe. Okay, what do you why? What are you gonna say? Well, I mean, I mean, ketchup is 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 you know, it's a liquid crack. I mean, it's the best thing that ever happened. But I'm, I've become a. Uh, do you like mixing ketchup and mayo? No, 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 no. I, I hate mayo. No, mayo's fantastic, bro. Um, I, do, I, do, I do not mess with the creamy condiments. They, they freak me out, man. I also like um, uh, toyo manse and chili mansi, uh, which you're, are you're, um, you're crossing when continents. you're in the Philippines, you'll mix, uh, depending on how you like it, uh, some soy sauce, some sugarcane vinegar, maybe throw a little bit of um, diced uh, uh, bird's eye pepper there, uh, and, and it's beautiful. Great with uh, grilled chicken, fish, rice. Mm. Now understand, Wilder is not a guy who puts punches together. Yeah, what does that mean? Right, this is the era we live in. Wilder's a specialist. Okay. 
right? He's a fastball pitcher. He has an A-plus straight catcher. right hand to the head. Okay. That's his secret sauce. Oh, oh, sauce. Uh, you, you, you a man sauce fan by any chance, Rafe? What's man sauce? Oh, that man sauce. No. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, that's it. Hey, Boots Ennis has beaten Raymond Serrano. Mighty Mike Arnuitis, the husk of him. Oh, yeah. wow. He's still around. <laughs> that was a, yeah, that was 2018. Wow. Okay, that's how men get down. Uh, Rafe, also, Alicia Napoleon Espinoza will unify super middleweight titles against Ellen Sederus. Sure she will. Okay, Rafe in, the, Rafe, in the same city the next night, ESPN offering Jesse Hart, Joe Smith Jr., main event, 10 rounds light heavyweights. Now, listen, we know they're going to bang. This is going to be a fun TV fight. But are you down on the I'm fighting you for the pride of Bernard Hopkins getting sent to hell through the ropes, Jesse Hart? Yeah, I don't care about that storyline at all. But I love the fight, Brian. I think it is a sneaker, is a sneaker, sneaky action just could has potential to blow up and be something that that has us all pumped up on a slow boxing weekend at the beginning of the year and makes us be like oh my god boxing is awesome like this this has that sneak up and sock you right in the face this is an awesome fight type potential because this is only the second fight for Hart at 175 Joe Smith he's limited but if you are there to exchange with him, that man got some hands. He is heavy. He he can he, he's throwing some heavy bang, stuff. Bang, bang, bang. Try and stop it. Bang. Yeah, if you're if you're someone who who comes home at night and and thinks you know what it's been a while. I, we haven't been banging a little. We need to bang a little bit more. <laughs> okay, you want to see we that? Bang them a little bit. I mean, we're not, <laughs> we're not banging them. Uh, you're but, not banging them. They're gonna funny. bang. You said because Jesse Hart can box, but. He, he, he gets emotional. He will yes. get into a fight with this guy. And when a fight breaks out, it, it's going to be fun. Uh, by night, Joe Smith Jr., a fighter, but by day. And the plasterer for the local council. Uh, the Long you. Island town. Um, this is an interesting undercard that you're going to have to check out. Both Adorno brothers are on this. And if you remember, Joseph Adorno was the lightweight who had that crazy knockout where the guy went hung on the ropes after getting knocked out like he was uh, about to get the Rey Mysterio 619. Also, Xander Zayas, that 17-year-old uh, Puerto Rican amateur star 2-0, he's going to fight Corey Champion four rounds welterweights. Get pumped for that. Also Saturday, San Antonio in the zone. Jaime Munguia is a middleweight and he's going to face Gary Spike O'Sullivan. Yeah, you you can move it all. Yeah, it could be fun. Now, of course, I absolutely am moved. Yeah. Yes, Brian, this is going to be. Look, this, say what you will about both of these guys. I think their stock ha, is probably lower than it has been in in recent years. But it's going to be a fun fight. I mean, Sullivan is not going to run from Mungia at all. He's not going to make Mungia work to find him. He's going to go in there and trade. And you know what? Mungia's power, I think, is overrated. The guy who Takeshi, it was it did was it an Inoue? Not not a brother, but was it a, the the, the Japan guy he fought at the beginning of last year? That guy walked through. I mean, was never bothered by all the shots that he was just eating flush from Mungia. I have a fight at one fifty four weight category one five four. All right, then Hogan didn't seem all that troubled by Mungia's power, and. Yeah, we saw David Lemieux send 
Gary Sullivan to he- O'Sullivan to hell, but that's different. Mungia ain't packing Lemieux heat upstairs or downstairs. I'm willing to go there. And, and Brian. Let's just say that there are a bunch of heavyweight champions who I feel have bigger toolkits than Gary Spike O'Sullivan, okay? Um, look, and, and here's the thing. If, I would say this right now, if Spike O'Sullivan was the fighter that we saw beat, was it Nick Quigley? One of the Quigleys. And then basically end the, the, the run of, uh, Antoine Douglas, right? That guy that who, who was, ba- you know, tons of determination could punch a little bit slow, but was going to be there and, and came to inflict and absorb punishment. If he, if, if that guy is still there, he sh- I would, I would pick him to beat Mungia. I think he's just got he's tougher. I hope we. Just I don't that. However, there. since getting knocked out to Lemieux, O'Sullivan kind of ha- he's been base. He only fought twice in like a year and a half. They were weird fights. He hasn't he hasn't been active. He might be on the way out, and this and he and this may just be. A cash out. So it'll be a fun I'm, brawl. No matter what, it's gonna be a fun brawl. I can't wait. Exactly. I want it sloppy. No matter how long it lasts, it'll be fun. But player, we're running out of time. Player, this isn't round two or round three. You're running out of time. Co-main event: Franchon Cruz de Zern. No, uh, you don't even gotta ask. <laughs> we'll defend two of her super middleweight titles against Alejandro. Yo, how are, how have we got so many unifications going on? And wait, isn't the other one in Atlantic City yeah, a super middleweight unification yeah. too? Underneath. The the shields fight. Yeah. So all four super middle. Are there ten more belts? Well, there's two vacant middleweight, junior middleweight titles on the line in the shields fight. It's over. The show's over. Rafe, I can't do it. Let's close with this big bold prediction for 2020. Do you have one? What are you thinking here? What do you got? What do you like? What do you want? What is it? Floyd coming back? What do you got? Anything big? That uh, Teo ends the year as the face of the lightweight division. What do you got for me? Um, Brian, there's so much going through my head right now. What do you got? Do you 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 thought about this? I don't really have one. And that's Come on. lame. But boxing is a little more predictable. Then you know what I mean? Like a Ruiz knocking out Joshua is is a thing that doesn't happen often. Boxing is so many one sided matchups, like you rarely get it. Uh all right, my prediction is not bold, but I think Spence is still gonna be Spence. That's a good one. I I hope so, and I think there's a good chance. Um What's Bud Crawford's biggest name opponent in twenty twenty? Josh Taylor. Wow! Right away they make that fight. You're saying, "Wow, okay." Make it late, this, late, late this year. Okay, okay. Do we see a third Fury Wilder this year? No, I don't okay. think so. I think whoever loses is going to not want any parts of that. I think the wheels, unfortunately, may already be coming off Fury, um, uh, and he may just go do MMA and WWE and whatever else. And hood stuff with his friends. If he wants, sure. Okay. Just don't call his dad. Don't call his dad. Hear this. I don't have Twitter. I don't have Facebook. I don't have Instagram. I don't have nothing. I've got a £10 mobile phone. Yeah, leave him alone. Just leave the guy alone, all right? Don't call him. Don't leave a message. Rafe, do you have any wishes for the new year, the new decade, for your life, 
for the listeners of our show? Any resolutions, declarations of independence? What do you got for me? I only need to declare one thing, Brian. Yes? Jeff Horn was a real man. <laughs> Guy Ritchie? He had some business coming up from that body shot. You know, I mean, you know, uh, no, we can't make crossover jokes. I was going to say, like, when Jedis die, their bodies burn, right? They burn them. Is that true? I th- what about, so when Obi-Wan died, he just, like, well, fall, like disappears, yeah, like, vaporized, right. and, his, and his robe right. just collapsed. What, what is the story behind that, Brian? You're right, but then when Anakin died as Darth Vader, they burned him in the Ewok celebration, remember? Oh, that's that is. Is that why they were? I just thought they were having a bonfire, and then like you know, all the dudes were hanging out in the sky, being nice. I was to saying them. like I know I don't know where Guy Ritchie is right now, but with the with the circumstances down there, like you know, he can go out as a Jedi, Rafe. Okay, we can go. He can go out a hero, Rafe. All right. You're you're banned from Australia. You're never allowed to go there. Yeah, that's enough. 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 So obviously he's going to do whatever he wants. Yeah, right. All right, enough. Okay, make me a sandwich. Uh, for Ray Fuchs, it's BC. We back, folks. Enjoy. This was your State of Combat Boxing Podcast. Check out those other sports if you got time. It's going to be a big year, big fights, and we're going to be here breaking them all down. Two words, Ray, for the people. We out.